In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the third Sunday in Advent is from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord anointed me to tell good news to those who are suffering. He sends me to bandage the brokenhearted, to announce liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to announce a year when the Lord will accept people and a day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, giving them a crown instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a drooping spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify Him. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, set up the desolate buildings of those who lived here long ago, put up new cities on their ruins, and rebuild the places laying waste for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and crime. I will honestly reward your work. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Your children will be known among the nations and your descendants among the peoples. All who see them will realize they are descendants the Lord has blessed. I will be very glad in the Lord. I will delight in my God, for he has dressed me in the garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom puts on a priestly turban and a bride puts on her beautiful jewels. As the ground produces its sprouts and a garden makes the seed sown in it come up, so the Lord God will make righteousness and praise spring up in the sight of all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Always be happy. Never stop praying. Whatever happens, thank God, because that is what God in Christ Jesus wants you to do. Don't put out the fire of the Spirit. Don't despise God's word when anyone speaks it. But test everything and cling to what is good. Keep away from every kind of evil. The God of peace make you holy in every way and keep your spirit and soul and body sound and without a fault, when our Lord Jesus Christ comes. You can depend on him who calls you. He will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. A man came, God sent him, his name was John. He came to tell the truth about the light, so that through him everyone might believe. He was not the light, but came to tell the truth about the light. When the Jews in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to John to ask him, Who are you? This was John's testimony. He confessed and did not deny. He confessed, I'm not the Christ. Who are you then? They asked him. Are you Elijah? 
I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. Then they asked him, Who are you? We want to bring an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Some who had been sent belonged to the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? I baptize with water, John answered them. There is standing among you someone you don't know, the one who is coming after me. I am not good enough to untie his shoe strap. This happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Our sermon text today is our Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 61. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Amen. The situation looked bleak. Her husband was dead, and now her only son. She walked beside his dead body as the townspeople carried his body out of town. She was alone. No one left to care for her. No one left to provide for her. She didn't have the means to support herself, nor were there any jobs she could conscientiously do. She's going to have to beg. It was the only real option left. But not only that, the grief was all-consuming. She had lost her son. He was dead and no more. A deep hole had been carved into her, a hole that could not easily be mended or healed. To lose her child, to have death where there should have been life, was devastating. In the midst of her mourning, Jesus appears. He speaks to her. Don't weep. He stops the procession and raises her son. The result is great joy among the people of Nain. And this woman is filled with joy and rejoicing. Her mourning has been changed to joy. This drastic and sharp change of life and circumstances is exactly what is pictured in Isaiah. Dire circumstances and great losses are reversed and restoration is had all at the hands of Jesus. He is the speaker here after all. Jesus is the anointed one upon whom the Holy Spirit descended in order to send him forth to preach, heal, set free, and so much more. He will give out God's favor to those who need it and bring judgment on those who deserve God's wrath. This is exactly for what the people of Israel have been waiting. After having their land and homes devastated by the Assyrians and Babylonians and the various threats under Persian and Greek rule, their land and nation has been was only a shadow of what it once was. Their power and prestige were gone. The forces of evil seemed to only gain in strength. God seemed to have abandoned them to their troubles and fate. After all, they deserved it. 
They brought it upon themselves. They were the ones to abandon God and seek after his own desires, to run after idols who could neither help nor change their circumstances. They had, at least in part, brought the devastation on themselves. In fact, this situation was vividly pictured in Zechariah chapter 3. Joshua, the high priest, who had been in exile in Babylon and had come back to Israel along with many other Israelites, is pictured standing in the presence of the angel of the Lord and Satan. Joshua is dressed in filthy garments and Satan is accusing Joshua of all his sins while the Lord is defending him as one who has been saved from the fire. And the Lord commands the filthy garments be removed. And he declares, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. His clothes are then replaced with a clean turban and holy garments. God promised in the midst of their uncleanness and their defilement because of sin that he would cleanse them. And so they have this hope. They've heard this hope, this word of hope and promise in the midst of their disaster and the recovery from disaster. But since then, they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. It's been a long time since a prophet had arisen in this time of silence, the people break into different factions. Some stressed a worldly view of God and life. For them, life was only in the here and now. Others retreated into the desert expecting God's judgment and favor to come at any time. Others lived among the people, calling them to lawful living while waiting for the Messiah. Now a few were ready to seize back their country from the Romans, but none of their insurrections ever went very far. They too longed for God's kingdom to be reestablished. They had been waiting and did not want to wait any longer. So when John the baptizer shows up, there is great excitement is he the one? What is God doing? Is the kingdom of Israel being raised up? Is it being reestablished? Will the land and nation be rebuilt? All their hopes seem to be coming to fruition as suddenly God is speaking to them again through a prophet. And John makes clear, the one for whom they are looking stands among them. Jesus is in their midst. God's Messiah, his anointed one, who will change Israel's circumstances, is now here. He is among you. Their long-awaited hope has come. The time for joy is at hand. This is certainly good news for us who are also waiting. Just look at our world. Nations are struggling as their medical capacity is taxed to the limit. More and more people are losing their jobs or livelihoods as small businesses go bankrupt and shut down, stretch people to the limit. 
People have depleted their savings and many are going hungry. Trust in our institutions and leaders has been eroding. Common decency is in decline. Riots are happening in various places. A massive protest and strike in India. People are becoming isolated and loneliness and depression are taking hold. It seems and looks like society is falling apart. But this is what has been happening throughout human history. Mankind builds and creates a society only to either destroy it or have it destroyed. The earth has been ravaged with many of the wars of man. Cities have been destroyed. People put into captivity and slavery. Affliction and death have ruled over us. Nations have been wiped out with only a few records and testaments remaining to their existence. Mass graves have been dug to bury the dead. And every time we think we've made progress, we take two steps back. When we think we've solved our problems, a new one arises. When we think things are going well, we bring a new trouble on ourselves. The accomplishments of mankind are easily wiped out and we are left wanting and hurting. But our waiting is nearing the end. Today we see the glimmer of joy. Christ came and he undid the effects of sin. He healed the sick, raised the dead, gave sight to the blind, restored the ears of the deaf. When he came into Nazareth, he read this very text from Isaiah among them and proclaimed that it was fulfilled in their presence. Christ Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to rebuild, restore, and set Israel free. He is the one who changes our outcomes, who turns our situations around, who gives us the favor we do not deserve. After all, we brought all this trouble on ourselves. And every day, we bring more trouble upon ourselves. Every time we sin, we ask for God's judgment and vengeance to come upon us. We are asking for prison. We're asking for sadness and loss. We're asking for destruction and death. Every time you steal or wrong your neighbor, every time you dispense with justice, every time you seek your own good and benefit, you earn God's wrath. The day is also coming. It'll soon be here. So what will you receive? What will be your fate? You deserve nothing. You deserve death and hell. But God has changed your circumstances. He has given you favor. He has forgiven your sins. God has come down in human flesh and died on the cross for you. He has enacted justice by taking your wrongs and your sins upon himself. He changes everything. Instead of mourning and sadness, he has opened the grave. He has ended death's reign. He has set up his kingdom. He has established his reign of life and salvation. He has taken our mourning and captivity. He has taken our sin and death. He has taken our ruined cities and societies. 
He has taken our poor sinful lives and replaced them with his life. He died on the cross bearing all of these. He died under the weight of all our sin and destruction. And in its place, he has given you life. In his place, he has raised you from the dead. In his place, he has forgiven you. He has taken your broken hearts and healed them. He has restored all that he tore down. And he is rebuilding a new kingdom and city. One far better than the ones we have built. He has built an everlasting life through his blood shed on the cross. He has created a shelter and deliverance from sin and death. He sacrificed himself to build it for you. He has given you a kingdom. He has made you a citizen of his kingdom. He has washed you clean of your sin and clothed you in a new robe of righteousness. He has covered you in his righteousness by his blood spilt on on your behalf. He has caused righteousness and praise to spring up. He has made you to be his planting, uh, his mighty oaks of righteousness. And you are now right with God. He has made you right and holy. You are his people. He has planted you through baptism into his garden. What happened to the priest Joshua, he has done for you. He has removed your sin and iniquities. He has covered your nakedness with his righteous, pure, and holy garments. You have been clothed in Christ's righteousness. This is the whole meaning and significance of the white robes pastors wear. Pastors aren't trying to make a fashion statement. They wear white robes as a symbol and picture to you of what Christ has done for you in baptism. Your sin has been removed and you have been given a robe washed white in the blood of the Lamb. You are clothed in these very garments as you stand before God the Father. You are clothed in Christ's goodness and holiness. You have once again been made to be His children. And as His children, He feeds you at His table. He nourishes you with His body and blood. For you need His strength. You need His life. And He gives it to you so that you can wait for that day when you will see everything change before your eye. Death will be overthrown. The course of mankind undone. And you and I will be restored. All that has been taken away from us will be restored in an even greater amount. No more will there be mourning. No more will there be loss. No more will there be slavery. Our Lord has overcome all these. And His kingdom alone will stand on the last day. And we will stand in it with Him. That day will be full of rejoicing. It will be like the widow at Nain whose son was restored. A sudden change as God's favor undoes sin's work. And so today, even though we don't see all this in its fullness, even though we mourn the loss of loved ones, even though we lose in this world, even though we are hurt, harmed, poor, or captive to many things, even though hardship and despair seem normal, we can rejoice. 
We can rejoice because we know Christ is overturning all these things. We know he who conquered death for us on the cross will indeed bring us to be with him. We know he who rose from the dead and promised us life will not forsake us or leave us. We know he who ascended into the heavens is reigning even now, and he loves justice and hates wrong. He will surely set everything right and make the world good and perfect once again. For he promised clothing you and me with his garments of salvation and life. Let us rejoice in what he has done and what he is doing even now. We will be delivered. Our salvation from sin has come and our salvation from this world is coming. The peace of God which passes understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. All readings prior to the sermon come from an American translation of the Bible.